Welcome back to Catechize. Oh, I went too fast. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Catechize, the podcast where we discuss the historic reform, confessions, and catechisms. I'm your host, Josh. With me, as always, is my co-host, John. St. John, the Divine, patron <laughs> saint of Westminster Abbey in London? London, yes, yeah. I believe. Haven't and you yes, been there? I've been there. And oh, okay, world the traveler. Saint. Yeah. Um, no. Um, yeah, this was, a, I was there, I was there several years ago. It's been a while. So it's, Josh, it's one of those things where like, at that time I was, I was reformed, but I wasn't like that reformed. I didn't know that much. You're still and learning so, the ways. And so I was there. I was like, oh, this is cool. You know? And then as time passed, I'm like, ah, I'm an idiot. The experience was wasted on me. So, um, <laughs> yeah, like taking your kid to the Grand Canyon when they're only three. Yeah. And and then later in life, they're like, well, I've been to the Grand Canyon. Don't remember it because I was yeah. like a baby. But yeah, um, no, no, no. I mean, it's not a bad thing to do still. But um, but anyway, we digress. Um, so I guess I, uh, quick aside, ahead. speaking of kids who don't appreciate things. I had a student I, I, when I taught high school, I would like ask him, hey, how was how was your summer at the beginning of the year? Um, yeah. This one kid was like. My parent, he had just moved from California. He he lived in Southern California and he now moved, moved to, this is near Washington, D.C. He's like, my parents made us drive eight hours just to look at trees. And I was like, you lived in California, right? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, were those trees by any chance the redwoods, like the sequoia forest? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, those aren't just trees, man. Like, come on. <laughs> How do you? Those are thick trees. <laughs> <laughs> those are awesome. Whatever. Uh, yeah. We tried to drive eight hours just to look at trees. Anyways, um, good kid. I really enjoy him. He's actually pretty funny. Um, one, anyways. But not his best moment. So, not his best moment. He was a fool, as most young people are. Anyways, which is whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's, uh, so we are We are now in to the Lord's Prayer itself. Um, we'll, we're on question 100. That's fun. Um, yes. The, uh, not episode 100, because we condensed a lot of the... Uh, Ten Commandments episodes. Yeah. Um, actually, we may be at question 100 or episode 100 if you count all the footnecks and proof texts and little bonus episodes we've done. I don't know. I'd have to count. I don't want to do that. We're on question 100, though. And we're talking about the Lord's Prayer um, and, and opening up the Lord's Prayer discussion today. Uh, and we'll get into the subsequent petitions of the Lord's Supper and the remaining questions. Mm. Um, but this one sets the stage in a way that I think is uh, encouraging, pastorally comforting, theologically insightful and the rest. So uh, I will, so I'll read it. You'll read it. We'll do the question discussion. We've got some good history, then heresy, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll send you on your way to, to love and serve the Lord, you know, as they say. Nice. Um, so you want to read it and then I'll read it. And then we'll sure. Of cracking. course. Of course, Josh, I would love to read it. All right, here we go. This is question 100 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What doth the preface of the Lord's Prayer teach us? And the answer, the preface of the Lord's Prayer, which is, Our Father, which art in heaven, teacheth us to draw near to God with all holy reverence and confidence, as children to a father, able and ready to help us, and that we should pray with and for others. Nice. Uh, question and answer 100 of the Shorter Catechism. What does the preface of the Lord's Prayer teach us? The preface of the Lord's Prayer, which is, Our Father, who art in heaven, teaches us to draw near to God with all holy reverence and confidence, 
as children to a father, able and ready to help us, and that we should pray uh, with and for others. Mm, nice. nice. So as we discuss this, um, also the doors of the office I'm in are like French doors with windows on them so I can see out. And my daughter is like, her hands are on a cushion. We're piled up some cushions for her to climb around on. Her hands are on a cushion. She's like on all fours, just like rocking around. It's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> nice. Good kid. Um, anyways. We, need, we need to do a video podcast so we can bring her on board. Ask yeah, for bring her on board. Yeah. <laughs> Evie, what is, what is, uh, what does the preface of the Lord's Prayer teach us? To just make noises and like bite my nose or something. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about the answer to this question in kind of chunks. We're going to look at the idea of approaching God as Father. Um, we're going to, we're going to look at the emphasis uh, of the word our and how, how, um, mm-hmm. that, uh, is instructive for us in our prayers. Uh, and then, and then cover the, the, who art in heaven. Basically, we're splitting the preface up and discussing each element of the preface. How yep. about that? Who'd have thought? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, wow. It's almost like we do the same pattern all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> um. So, um, somewhat, maybe, John, I'm throwing a curveball at you. I'm skipping the thing. Um, and I'm, we, we were going to start with talking about father. But I'm going to skip father, go to our, and then go back to father so that we go in order of the. That is a better idea. So, so with this idea that 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 the Lord's prayer starts with our Father, um, there are a couple points that have been brought out. We'll we'll bring them out from various perspectives today, but they've been brought out throughout the history of the church by by God's people um, in in really helpful ways. And this our emphasis that, that we say our Father that when Jesus says. When you pray, say this, our Father, um, not my Father. Uh, yeah. whatever, it is, it, there are key things that are really important here. What the divines draw out in the language of that we should pray with and for others, that's the final clause of the answer. Uh, yeah. That's drawing out the idea of this hour. That, that yeah. prayer um, is, is almost first and foremost a communal thing. Now, this doesn't take away from the fact that God is my Father. Because I have been reconciled to Christ, which John will talk about in a second. Um, And and it doesn't take away from the fact that I do have a relationship. Me, Josh, has a relationship with the triune God who has created all things and is redeeming his people. Um, uh, But but it it does like flip the emphasis to the fact that I am a part of the people of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, God is our father uh, and that our prayers while personal, individual, fo- focusing on our desires and our needs, which we talked about in previous weeks, um, that's good. We should also pray with the communal nature of God's people in mind, that prayer is a necessary and essential piece of functioning as God's people. That's something that we should do together, whether that be with friends, with family, or with mm-hmm. the, the gathered body of Christ in a church or in small groups or whatever else. Uh, but but also that our prayer should also be oriented towards others. Both the context and the content of our prayers should be communal. We should be praying, thinking about others, uh, praying for others, and we should be praying with others as well. That's central and key. Oh, almost spilled my water right on my computer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Key to um, what to what we how we are to pray. We are to pray with others and for others. God is our Father. 
Yeah, when I first read this question, I, I remember thinking that this ending part where it says, and that we should pray with and for others, after kind of discussing this, like, our Father, he is our Father, holy reverence, confidence, all of this, um, and then reading at the end, and we should pray with and for others, I remember being like, what? Like, th- where is that in here? It doesn't say, our <laughs> Father, which art in heaven, let's let's pray for our neighbor, you know, or something like that. Right. Um, it, it just has the hour here, but then when you think about it, uh, what it's it's fleshing out is the um is the fact that it's it's a plural um it's not singular um uh, another aspect as josh alluded to previously is that when we say our father and this sort of transitions us into our father kind of discussing hey, it more good. broadly wow segues <laughs> good job john thank you good, good transition <laughs> two in a row just kidding <laughs> the one from last week wasn't good but <laughs> but um <laughs> But anyway, so when we talk about God as as our Father, um, we are not just looking at the plural aspect of that, but we're looking at the uh, sort of quote unquote ownership aspect. Our Father, possessive, and, yeah, the pes- possessive, possessive. <laughs> <laughs> the pensive, um, uh, the Harry. yeah, the possessive um, aspect, which is that um, God is our Father, and so what that does is. Um, okay, so in order for the God of Scripture, the one true God, to be your father, the requirement is that you are adopted into his family. You are one of his adopted children, meaning you are part of the people of God through Christ. And with that in mind, what what you realize is that this is not a prayer that is appropriate for all faiths or for um, people who are outside of the people of God. Um, if you do not profess to um, put your faith in Christ and in God, then God isn't your father because you are not adopted into his household. And so with that in mind, it it sort of clearly um, points to this prayer being kind of uh, focused on those who are part of the people of God. Yeah. Um, or uh, you could even say those who desire to be part of the people of God as well. So like sure. I wouldn't. I wouldn't exclude someone who is seeking to become a Christian praying this or something like that. Well, John, Not, if they're seeking, then they've already been given a new heart. We know yes. that no one seeks God. <laughs> Come True. on. Well said. My my point my <laughs> I, I know what your point was. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just didn't want to I didn't want it to feel like you have to fence the table with the Lord's prayer necessarily. Right. But um but the idea there is that if we're claiming God as our father, um, we are acknowledging our adoption into his household. Yeah. And for more on adoption, you can go many episodes back to earlier in the catechism. But yes. um, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Jay Gresham Machen makes this point really well in um, in Christianity and liberalism. That, mm. that, that the very fact that, that the New Testament speaks theologically about our adoption necessitates that to be um, to be saved, to be in Christ, to be redeemed, it is family reassignment, which which like means that not all of humanity is of the same family. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have children of wrath, to use Paul's language, and then children of of of, of God, uh, heir co heirs with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and the fact that we when we pray our Father and are recognizing that we are His children in that prayer, um, what what we are doing is is grounding our prayer in the fact that we have been uh redeemed by christ and and brought into god's family we are Mm -hmm. not 
of our former family anymore, which is great. News. Yeah. We'll get into that a little bit more in the history of the week, actually. Anyways, nice. so our, now our father. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, I think there's good elements of this language uh, in the answer to the catechism question that flushes out the fullness of the idea of fatherhood. And, and I think just a kind of a, a linguistic exploration really quickly is that God uses anthropomorphic language. He, he, yeah. and, and anthropomorphism is, is a really interesting thing, even in creation, because God speaks of himself with human terms and human words and ways that his people can understand. And we really can understand them. We're not just pretending that this anthropomorphism works. God who is all powerful and all good really has made himself known in ways that we can understand. And he's done that through anthropomorphism. He's used mm. human language of himself. Yeah. Uh, and yet he, in addition to that, God has also created things for the sake of making himself known. God yeah. created the world and humanity to, to exist with fathers so that he could use father language to reveal himself. Not only does he take this thing, fatherhood, and apply it to himself so that we would know him, he also uh, he he also created the world to have fathers for the very purpose of making himself known as father. Yeah. The very reality and existence of fathers is part of God's design uh, and desire to to reveal himself. Yeah. Um, marriage. Similar with marriage. Hey, yeah. nice. Yep. Look marriage is a good example of that too. Great minds think alike, uh, Josh. So true. Um, but yeah, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. I was just no, 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 no. marriage too. Yeah, yeah, great point. So, so yeah, the God has created, and and that's not to say that fathers are inherently good. Fatherhood is, but fallen fathers err variously yeah. and all the time. Uh, and the strengths and weaknesses of our human fathers make known the goodness of God. Uh, either we lament and mourn the failings of ourselves as fathers or of our own fathers. Uh, and and, and that, the, the very fact that we lament the mistakes and errors and harm done by fathers is a recognition that, that, that that's not how it should be, which is implicitly a recognition that there is a way that fathers should be. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we, in, in every weakness and failing in every father, whether it be severe and consistent and overwhelming, or whether it be uh, the failings of a, of a good father, points to and reveals the fact that God is the perfect father uh, who, who like that failure, that weakness, that error is not found in him. And the exact opposite of whatever the particular weakness or failure or sin or error is, is found in him. The opposite of that is found in yeah. God. Uh, and then when our fathers and when we as fathers um, are faithful, are righteous, are good dads, um, we, we reveal something about what God is. Um, yeah. uh, because fatherhood exists to make God known. Um, and so in light of all that the language, God is communicating to us through earthly and, and human things. Um, the fullness of fatherhood, I think is, is, is captured by the divines that we draw near to God with holy reverence and with confidence and as children to a father who's able and ready to help us. Mm. Uh, and those four kind of things really do capture, uh, a, a, a typical realities of children in their relationships to their fathers and are necessarily things that are true of us in our relationship with God. Uh, that, 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 that reverence is due to a father, that fathers ought to be revered. I think that's something that's, that's maybe significantly missing in our culture often. Yeah. But, but like there, there is a reverence that, that like, that is appropriate and even natural to 
uh, to hold a father. I don't know. To, yeah. to, that dads have. Go ahead, it, John. It might even be helpful that reverence is maybe a word we don't use super often. It feels sort of kingly, but maybe respect even is kind of something we could. Um, I I think respect for fathers um, yeah. is is kind of at least partially getting at the idea there that fathers are take like and you know like like Josh you were hinting at already there's some people who for sure have like when they hear this they don't think they hear our father they don't think what a you know I've had such great experiences with um with my father or something like that maybe many people probably hear this and you know their gut reaction to fatherhood is I don't want another father yeah yeah my first one was bad why do I need a second one or something like that um and so I think that's that's a natural kind of maybe way for some of us to think. But I think the point here is that God is the perfect father um, and that that earth, that earthly father who was terrible that you may have experienced is is so contrary to the picture of we of what we ought to get from God as our as our heavenly father, that um, some of it is hard for us to kind of square away with, if, yeah, if that makes sense. For yeah. sure. Um, but in light of all of that, whether yeah. it be in a good or bad way, fathers demand respect. And if it's a good way, it's not like a give me respect. It's a, unless that kind of scolding or discipline needs to happen. But there's a natural, like, when a father conducts himself appropriately, that, that there is a way in which respect is, is natural to that man because there's yeah. something inherent in fathers that demands respect. Yeah. Um, and both all parents, but this we're focusing on fathers, like moms and dads demand respect. It's different, but the point here is fatherhood. Anyways, yeah. Um, and so, uh, uh, all the more does God, by His very nature and conduct and character, demand respect. Um, yeah. That when we approach Him, there is a level of reverence, uh, respect, um, um, even seriousness that that we come to God with, recognizing. Yeah his authority over us, uh, his, um, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. His authority, I got gotcha. you. So reverence, good confidence. Also that, that I think like there's something natural, like kids are drawn to mom or dad in times of need for different reasons. Mm. Um, and like a kid who needs comfort is more naturally typically going to run to mom for comfort. Not that comfort's not found, it, that the dad can't give comfort. But when a kid is, like, and, and these are generalities. Please understand that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but like, we, uh, we approach, when, uh, when things are as they ought to be, I guess, we approach often our dads with a confidence. Um, like, dad can get the thing done. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and, or I need help with, like, when I needed help with homework, um, Though my dad often joked uh, or someone or seriously said that um, your mom is way smarter than me, I would go to my dad for help. Uh, yeah. And there's there's something I don't know. Uh, or and, and so there's your a, car breaks down, like you know, usually the first person you would think to call if you're in the area is all right. I need my dad out here to help me change my tire or something like that. You know, <laughs> sure. like it, it. I I totally get what you're saying. It's sort of an object of confidence because dads are sort of seen as the ones who um, especially are, are known or typically known for kind of being the ones to get things done. Yeah. Um, Help me out. Come get things done. Yeah. Yeah. That's not to say moms aren't, but yeah. 
It's the standard typically. Sure. And then flowing from that is the idea that children go to their father um, who is able and ready to help us. Uh, We go like we are in the same way that, that when things are right, children go to their father because my dad can do things that I can't. And, mm. and my dad wants to help and give and whatever, what, what I need. My dad has a desire to meet the need uh, or, or the desire or the help that I need. And he has the ability to do that. Um, and God, our Heavenly Father, perfectly is and does those things. God, yeah. it demands by his character, nature, and authority, reverence. Uh, he demands our confidence as the one who is is both is able to do anything we ask and also desires like a good father to give us what we need and what we long for and the help that we need. Like Jesus says, how much of, if you, how many of you who are bad would give your son a snake when he asks for bread, how much more will your heavenly father uh, give to you? And, And so that kind of confidence, reverence, trust, that's the kind of disposition we should approach God with and, and saying our father teaches us to come to God with that kind of perspective in mind one one additional angle that i think is helpful to consider is that when you think of the world that jesus is speaking to at this time it's you know largely the roman empire um pretty much everywhere around them and the roman empire has their own various deities and they have their own pantheon and all of that um and sort of the relationship between the roman gods and people was certainly much more kind of uh subjects you just got to do the thing for the god and uh, try to win his respect with various or try to win a response with various things and blah 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 Uh, where so the difference that jesus is clearly outlining in this prayer is that um the the god we pray to is much more attentive caring and concerned for our needs than any of those gods ever would be right and um so there's a closeness there yeah, there is all of that reverence, confidence, um, desire, and ability to help, but it is all qualified by an affection, a familial love and affection yeah. that is unique. Yeah, well yeah. said. Yeah. So, last last piece of the clause. Yes. Of the Let's... preface, which is which which uh, our Father, which art in heaven. Yeah. Um, God is God is our Father, but He is the God who sits enthroned in in the heavenly places in the midst of His angels. Yeah, I I think this I think this clause is helpful because it sort of balances not balances as if there's anything wrong with saying our Father at all, but it provides a helpful sort of understanding of God where not only He is like a more his, robust or more filled out. Yes, that's yeah, yeah. what I'm getting at. So not only is He our Father and He's close to us, we. We are his adopted children. We can go to him, but he is also grand. He is also mighty and powerful. He sits enthroned in heaven, um, and we pray to him. We take our prayers to him on his throne in heaven. So there's, it sort of gives us this balance of look at the the great um, mercy of God to hear our prayers and to accept us as his children, while he is also enthroned on high he is also mighty and infinitely powerful it i think it helps i think it helps us give this balance so we're not like starting to think of when we say our father we're not starting to get into the realm of like oh you know he's 
he's like me and Josh were joking beforehand how oftentimes we use terms like the man upstairs and (laughs) the big guy and yeah, the big guy, stuff like that, which is, I I know most people don't mean anything negative by it. So I don't, I don't want to like roast anyone, but there's like, if we understand God with those terms only, God starts to just look kind of like a bigger version of us or like a powerful guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and so I think the Witch Heart in Heaven gives us a nice kind of balance to understanding God in an appropriate way. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Anything else we want to no, add there? I think, I think that that's great. God is is our holy God who is, is high above and separate and, and other than us and with all authority and dominion. And he is he is the the the, the king who should inspire awe and, and fear and um uh and sobriety and yet he is also father who is yeah worthy of reverence um but also is is, um an object of our affection and one who who looks on us with affection uh and desire and an ability to hear our prayers and and meet our needs in that Mm. and the fullness of all that's captured there is good so yeah fun stuff fun Uh, stuff history of the week history of the week let's do it Great. So this actually, uh, this history of the week is from Chrysostom. His homilies on the Gospel of Matthew. Um, he's a he's a, a very early church uh, father uh, and um, kind of famous for his preaching. Um, John Chrysostom. Am, yes, am, John Chrysostom. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and uh, and I'm just gonna. There's not a lot of commentary because this is just gonna kind of ground our conversation in. In his words, I think he's well said, well stated. Mm. Uh, not that my approval of Chrysostom is worth anything, but like I think this yeah. is a, I think this is a helpful summary of what we've said, uh, and and also shows the a, a cool glimpse of the, the ancient and historic church, uh, and yeah. it's helpful and encouraging. And yeah, so here's yeah. Chrysostom. So, so just just one one final fun little introduction. I think this is from one of his homilies or sermons. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Josh, is that correct? Yeah, did I not say that? Uh, you might have, but the oh. point I wanted to make was that he is, uh, John Chrysostom is known for being one of the, the greatest preachers in basically the history of the church. So yeah. um, it's it's kind of a, it's a treat to read his uh, sermons because sure. he's, yeah. he's, he's considered to be, you know, His reputation amazing. is well earned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this just a fun little, fun little fact for you. Homily 19. So, um, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, he saith he, ooh, uh, our Father which <laughs> art in heaven. See how he straightway stirred up the hearer and reminded him of all God's bounty in the beginning. For he who calls God Father, by him both remission of sins, taking away of punishment, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, and adoption, and inheritance, and brotherhood with the only begotten and the supply of the Spirit are acknowledged in this single title. For one cannot call God Father without having attained all of those blessings. Doubly, therefore, does he awaken their spirit, both by the dignity of him who is called on and by the greatness of the benefits which which they have enjoyed. But when he says, in heaven, he speaks not this as shutting up God there, but as withdrawing him, him who is praying from earth and fixing him in the high places and the dwellings above. 
He teaches, moreover, to make our prayer common in behalf of our brethren also. For he says not, my Father, which art in heaven, but our Father, offering up his supplications for the body in common, and nowhere looking to his own, but everywhere to his neighbor's good. And by this he at once takes away hatred and quells pride, and casts out envy, and brings in the mother of all good things, even charity, and exterminates the inequality of human beings, and shows how far the equality reaches between the king and the poor man, if at least in those things which are greatest and most indispensable, we are all of us fellows. Mm. For what harm comes of our kindred below, when in which, when in that which is on high, we are all of us knit together, and no one hath aught more than the other, neither the rich more than the poor, nor the master than the servant, neither the ruler than the subject, nor the king than the common soldier, nor the philosopher than the barbarian, nor the skillful than he uh, than the unlearned. For all hath he given one nobility, having vouchsafed to be called the father of all alike. Um, that that's such that's a great quote. <laughs> isn't that really good? <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah. So, just uh, I don't know. Rewind and and go back to that, or look up Chrysostom's homily nineteen uh, on on Matthew six. Uh, and find his comments there. The rest is good. Maybe we'll dip back into him for the other clauses as well. Uh, yeah. um, but there's 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 nothing to be said to qualify that other than encouraging words, consistency of the truth throughout the history of the church, and and being grateful to God that He has given us men uh, to to teach us well. Yeah. Cool. Well, and uh, moving on to more encouraging words, shall we go to the heresy of the week? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, uh, sorry, my I'm really trying these transitions here. I, well, your uh, earlier one was better, but uh, this was, <laughs> I like the the desire you had here. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah. All right. So heresy of the week. So today we've been focusing, um, kind of especially on God as our Father, as an approachable, um, loving Father, um, as God. Um, and so the heresy of the week this week, um, we kind of want to point especially, and I know we do this often, but to uh, <laughs> to the Roman Catholic Church as a as a, a pr- propagator of this uh, particular error uh, error in um, in prayer, um, primarily in in regards to the. Uh, Praying to Mary and praying to um, the saints, the intercession of the saints. Um, basically, how this goes is in Roman Catholic. Um, um, what is the word I'm looking for? In Roman Catholic prayer, um, there is often. Uh, you forgot the word prayer. That's I know. I was. Gosh, <laughs> leave me alone. Uh, Sorry. It, I was. I was trying to. I was like, am I looking for like a highfalutin word here, or is this just a simple one? And then I was like, prayer. Um, but in basically in in a Roman Catholic church, the way that prayer is often conducted is is it they pray to Mary, um, or they pray to other saints who then take their requests to God. Now um, you hear kind of. I, I feel like the main defense I hear of this is. Um, the Roman Catholic response is like, um, well, you Protestants ask your friends to pray for you. Um, 
why why can't we ask Mary or can't we ask these saints who are so much closer to God than we are? Why can't they take our prayers to God? Are we not more likely to get um, a, I don't know, a positive result, an answer, something like that from um, from that? Is is Jesus not more likely to listen to Mary, his own mother, than to me? Why would I not just ask Mary to take that request to him? Um and as we've been talking about already, the issue with this is that it is clearly treating God as not a close being, as our Father who loves us, who okay. desires to hear our requests, but rather it is treating God as sort of this distant being who doesn't want to hear us. And so we have to go through uh, back channels and additional people in order for him to hear us out. Yeah. And and so this ultimately, like I said, kind of contradicts everything that we talked about in this question about seeing God as a loving, caring father who desires to hear our requests. Um, right. Yeah. Josh, go ahead. I don't know. Yeah. If you want I, to add to that. Well, I just want to put some qualifications in there for the sake of being charitable to our Roman Catholic yeah. uh, friends. Um, and, and that is like, this is, this is one of those distinctions that's, that's um, practical, I think. So what I mean by that is like, Protestants criticize Roman Catholics as worshiping Mary. Um, I think that criticism is well-founded and legitimate. Yeah. Catholics respond, we, God is the only one we worship. We, we'd never worship Mary. Um, and so how can you say we worship Mary? Mm. And a thoughtful Protestant response is, we know that you say not to worship Mary. We know that you think worshiping Mary is wrong. We know that you would refute any accusations of worshiping Mary. Nevertheless, the things you do of which Mary is the object cannot be called anything other than worship. And so in yeah. spite of all of your qualifications and answers and defenses, the thing that is done is still worship of Mary. Um, and, and that's the problem. We know that you don't think you do. We know that you say it's wrong to worship Mary, yeah. but you, you can't, you're doing a thing that is worship of Mary and it, you calling it not worship doesn't change what it is. Yeah. Similarly, Catholics pray this prayer. It's to them the the Our Father. Go pray yeah. five Our Fathers or whatever. So they, they pray this prayer. They, they don't say that you can't approach God. They would yeah. say that absolutely we can approach God. Absolutely Christ is our mediator. But the very fact that you practically, functionally, and I know Catholics even who primarily go to God through the saints, the practical mm -hmm. consequence of that is that you, you recognize and you say and you even act act in part as if God is approachable and as if you can go to his throne. But in practice, you go far more often to these other supposed intermediaries. How much harm is done? Like imagine, imagine a child, imagine your own kid um, never coming to you with his needs or desires uh, and, and always asking, hey, mom, hey, sister, hey, brother, hey, friend, can you ask my dad for me? Because I don't want to. Your deepest desire, your longing would be for your child to come to you with that request, with that desire, with that need. Why Why is it somehow different when, when you presume to petition these saints to go before God on your behalf? Yeah. God has said, come to me. Come to me through my son, not through anybody else. Um, and so, so even if, what, what, yeah, like, yeah, like. Whatever else the, the prayer to saints is, it is certainly a practical um, 
rejection of the freedom we have to approach our father who beckons us come in the name of his son and say our father yeah um, i think and yeah i think that's well said and i think that's good clarification um yeah i think yeah me and josh generally say that there's there's really no point in refuting a view that someone doesn't hold and so you want to be very fair to the other position when you are refuting and so i think I think your clarification is helpful that um, it's sort of, it's I feel like we've said this several times on here, but it's sort of like if it you can say it's not a dog, but if it looks like a dog and wags its tail and uh, barks, barks and has fleas. Yeah, you're like, it's probably a dog. And right. so I think that kind of classification is true here um, where it's not like you said, it's not like the Lord's prayer is rejected or anything like that. It's more just that. In, in a pragmatic sense, it is not treated as it ought to be. Or it, yeah. the understanding of God that is um, taught in Scripture is not as prevalently um, communicated or backed up in the doctrine of the Catholic Church. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so anyway, that's the heresy of the week. Anything you want to add to that? or No, I think oh. we're in a good place. Sweet. Well, that's the show? Yeah, I think so. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at catechizepod. Uh, check out catechize.org. Uh, share, like, subscribe, comment. All those things help us and help other people find out about us. If you think this would be helpful or, or encouraging to them. Um, get, yeah, give us reviews right in the app, especially with Apple Podcasts. I think it's the easiest one. Uh, send us your questions so we can do more discussions like that with things that you're interested in or confused about or curious about. Um, um, oh, there's another thing. I was, oh, yeah. Special thanks to our patrons. Genuinely helpful. Keeping the show alive uh, for the little fees we have to pay to kind of do do things and uh, the time it takes to, to make the show. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that's yeah. Catch your kids. We'll see you next week. All right. Sounds good. See ya. Bye.